Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. One thing a complex airplane presents is the opportunity for more things to go wrong sometimes. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast, brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, GroundSchoolAcademy.com. Check it out, learn more. The Commercial Pilot course is already up to and ready for the new ACS guidelines as they push through, as they've done for private, instrument, and soon to be Commercial Pilot. I am so proud of our brand spanking new Commercial Pilot course. You're going to really enjoy it and really get a lot of value out out of it. Groundschoolacademy.com to check out that commercial pilot online ground school. Today's topic um, came about because of really what my week and what my month has been. It's been uh, issue after issue, near emergency after near emergency, and of course it's all happened in complex airplanes for some reason. And it got me thinking that because it's a complex airplane, mo- more moving parts, more things to possibly go wrong. And it started with me actually a while back when I was using the 182RG that you guys have seen for the Commercial Pilot Online Ground School videos. Very, just a beautiful 182RG, but kind of had a lot of bugs that followed it. And one of those, and I'll share both stories with you, uh, one of those was uh, a brake issue. And of course, when your brakes fail, they never fail at the most opportune time. We were flying into Orlando International. World famous Uncle Larry was here. He was actually, uh, Larry is our doctor of pharmacy, CFII, thousands of hours. Uh, Helps us out every time with the aeromedical portion of our online ground school, especially teaching at the level that a commercial pilot needs to understand hypoxia and hyperventilation, spatial disorientation, and those sort of items. I asked Larry to come in. He flew in from Michigan. I said, Larry, how cool would it be if we hop in the 182RG and I will fly you uh, down to Orlando International and we'll get just a courtesy car and get you taken over to the terminal. He said, absolutely. Any opportunity to fly into a Bravo is always a great day. So we were flying down there. We had to go IFR because how the weather was, but everything was going great. We broke out in time to get a visual approach and we're coming in. We've got JetBlue on a three-mile final before uh, behind us. They're asking us to really kind of keep our speed up and keep it moving and as they normally do in a Bravo, you know, straight to the numbers, maximum forward speed. Those are the type of words they used. And we're coming in and Larry had everything under control and we come in and we land and I see the taxiway coming that we need to make, taxiway Juliet. And it's coming and it's coming fast. I'm like, Larry, Larry, Larry. And he goes, Jason, I'm trying to stop. I cannot stop. I don't have any right break. So I quick hop on the controls and I hit that right break all the way down to the floor. And just like Larry said, we didn't have any right break. And of course we had to make a right turn off the runway. And we basically were lucky we got down and stopped using aerodynamic braking. And Larry was, was savvy enough, we were both smart enough to nurse that airplane off that runway as we had JetBlue on a three mile final behind us. It'd be great if the story stopped there though, wouldn't it? So 
we pull in and I you know talk to the 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 mechanic there. I said, listen, I've got this problem. I, I, I detected some uh, or didn't detect any hydraulic fluid at this point. And I said, listen, just the right brake. Perhaps the master cylinder is just empty. He looked and goes, oh yeah, man, it's bone dry. Let me top you off. So he filled us up with fluid. I didn't see any leaks or anything like that. I just figured, you know what? This happened in my Cessna 150 once that sometimes just over time, over the years, that hydraulic fluid just gets used and used and used. And maybe you have a very, very slow leak somewhere and it's just you're not detecting it because hydraulic fluid doesn't just magically evaporate or anything. But over, you know, 10 years of time, you know, it, it eventually could just wear itself on out through a very, very tiny, tiny leak. I figured that must just be the case. Filled it up. We pumped all the air out. Everything was great. And we went flying uh, for quite a few hours after that. Then, of course, we're going into Jekyll Island, which is a very, very small uh, island airport in Georgia. I'll say it's like 2,500, 3,000 feet. It's a smaller runway. And we're coming in the 182RG, just doing a little uh, kind of overnight vacation, just one of those fun little getaways right before we get ready to send the 182RG back. It was a friend's plane I was using. And I'm coming in. I put the landing gear down. And I always, in the 182RG, that's the one benefit is I can look outside and confirm, yes, my landing gear is down and locked. I can look outside and see it and then look inside and confirm that with three green lights. Well, I look outside and all down my side, I see just pink hydraulic fluid all the way down the strut, all the way into the brake. And I'm looking, I'm going, this, this can't be good. I'm, I'm just wondering where did the hydraulic fluid come from? Because I know my landing gear is hydraulically actuated and my brakes are hydraulically actuated. I know they're two separate systems that use um, different, different hydraulic reservoirs. So it had to be one of them. And in the air, I go to push the brakes and I've got nothing, nothing on the right and nothing on the left. I'm thinking this is, this is a, a, a sloppy situation to find myself in here. We end up landing and we had to literally open up the doors and use the doors to slow us down and stop us in that case and then nurse that airplane again off that runway. It is just thing after thing that you, you don't, I mean, when's the last time you planned for or practiced a brake failure? I, I would argue that it's, it's few and far between the opportunities we get to practice something like that. So I was hoping that was kind of the one, the one event of 2016 for me, but of course it, it wasn't because just the other day, and perhaps you've seen this story already on Facebook, where I was flying in the Piper Arrow doing a flight review for my hangar neighbor. And he just asked me to do it. I said, I was out there. I said, sure, I've got a little bit of time. Let's go do it. And I didn't ask the right questions, uh, apparently. As I'm doing the pre-flight, kind of checking everything out, and, and it wasn't until we're in the airplane that he's telling me, I knew the airplane was fresh out of annual, and I never like, you guys know me well enough, no, I never like the flight right out of an annual, right? That always makes you a little bit nervous. Uh, just somebody else working on an airplane and, and trying to solve what possibly they didn't do or did do, and just, just solve these, these items. And usually it's a non-event, but I'm just always on high alert on a flight after annual, a maintenance flight like that. What I didn't find out though is the airplane hadn't flown for eight months. In fact, the only time it had started in those eight months was to do that annual inspection and do a run-up during the annual inspection since he changed the oil. And that was that. I didn't realize and know the airplane had sat so long. 
So here we are flying and everything seemed to be okay. There's a few little quirks here and there. And he goes to put the landing gear down on our first landing, an emergency approach to the landing. I gave him, I pulled the power back to idle and asked him to kind of glide on into the Williston Airport. We know gliding in an arrow is a hard thing to do. I jokingly call the arrow an expensive paperweight because if you've done power off 180s or any sort of uh, glide technique in an arrow, you understand you know how difficult it truly is. So he... It's doing good. Definitely going to make the field a little bit high, but you'd rather be high because of what I just told you. Goes to put the landing gear down and nothing. And normally you put the landing gear down in an arrow, especially. It's an electrical system. You, you hear it and then you certainly feel it when that drag really takes effect. And it didn't happen. So he brings it up. He cycles it down again. Nothing. I look at the ammeter next time he does it. Doesn't budge. I check circuit breakers. Everything is all in. This is kind of the point where for a moment your heart really sinks and you go, is this the moment where I've got this landing gear issue? Is this, is this, is it, what's going to happen? What I think is going to happen here. I look and again, I look at the gear pump circuit breaker and it's, it's, you know, a puller push to reset. So I pull it and I push it back in again. And sure enough, you kind of hear it fire up. You hear the gear come down. You feel that drag and your heart for a second goes, Great. The gear is down. The gear is locked. That, that is great. And we come around the traffic pattern after that, that good little scare here. And this is where if you've, if you've seen the video or the story on Facebook, I imagine the majority of you guys follow us on Facebook, that when we came in um, and as soon as we pulled that throttle back to idle on final, just about land and roll because you know you fly an arrow to the ground with power. It is just such a heavy airplane with such a poor glide ratio that oftentimes you land with power. So it's not until you're like over the numbers do you bring it back to idle. Well, we were over the numbers, brought it back to idle, and that propeller stopped just right in front of us. Again, if I'm going to have an engine failure, we picked a pretty good place to do it coming on in uh, to literally just touch down and then from there get towed off the runway at the Williston Airport. But my my uh, flying of complex airplanes lately has been uh, eventful, to say the least, when we talk about that. But we have to remember that with complex airplanes, it doesn't have to be their complex systems like the landing gear. It could be a brake issue, hydraulic leak. With a complex, and these are things that could happen to any airplane. I'm not stereotyping or hating on complex airplanes by any means. But what I'm telling you this, why I'm sharing with you these stories is, first off, they can happen to anybody. It doesn't have to be anything major. They can be little minor things like I'm sharing. I, I say the engine failure on landing is minor because of where it happened. If it was on takeoff, it has certainly been major. The landing gear issue is certainly minor because we eventually got the gear down. But you think back to these things, and I remember asking him when the gear didn't come down, the question I asked him was, when's the last time you've done an emergency landing gear extension in your arrow? And he goes, I've never done one. I don't even know how to do one. Said, Excuse me, you're a Piper Arrow owner and you don't know how to do an emergency landing gear extension? It's a little bit scary when you, when you hear it. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, how about I ask myself that own, my, that own question? When's the last time I've done one? How about my CFI check ride is the last time I've done one coming up on 10 years ago here soon. Um, there is 10 years ago. I mean, 
Certainly um, not exactly something that would fall into my comfort zone, but in an emergency emergency situation, you do what you have to do, right? Maybe it's time we start to brush up. And that's, that's one of the problems. I imagine you guys want to go on to be a CFI one day. It's one of those problems as a CFI when you just hop in airplane after airplane, different airplanes. You go from a 182RG to a Piper Arrow, which couldn't be any more different, both complex, but from a system standpoint, couldn't be any more different from one another. Just look at the landing gear system as an example. Two totally different systems, two totally different ways to uh, have an emergency gear extension of that. We have to become proficient as CFIs, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but as CFIs at so many different systems. I share these two stories with you to help you shake off complacency, to help you always keep on alert, to avoid flying around what I call fat, dumb, and happy, which is you take off, you land, and those are the the high workload times, but during cruise flight, you just kind of kick the seat back a notch, turn on the autopilot, and relax. And that's when something goes wrong. You need to always be monitoring those engine gauges, listening to your airplane, listening to ATC, knowing what that airplane needs and requires next. There is no room for complacency in aviation complex airplanes can bring about the need to use some of your more complex skills. So be ready for that. I don't believe the FAA minimum of 10 hours in a complex airplane is enough. I certainly believe and know you need more. And I hope and pray that you'll find the time or the finances to get a little bit more time in it so you feel that much more comfortable in that aircraft. It is such a valuable skill to have. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Do check out our brand spanking new commercial pilot online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.